Oh my god, is it all of us back together? Hey, you were the one that couldn't be here last time. I don't know what I, know. I don't know what you're getting I'm at. Sorry, I was down in Vegas. You should be mm-hmm. sorry. That's you gross. Be. And you didn't take Disgusting us with you. behavior. Yep. But you guys didn't ask. I would have. I did ask, just not explicitly. Look, dude, all I'm saying is one that the one night I went out gambling, I was up two hundred dollars on craps, and then I was very quickly not up two hundred dollars anymore. That's how gambling works. Yep. Welcome to gambling. <laughs> the only difference is I did not receive a six week suspension uh, for gambling. Well, because you didn't do it inside of an NFL facility. So that's good. What'd you say, Bug? I said all for a full year and undetermined amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Undisclosed, indeterminate amount of suspension for Tug. <laughs> uh, amazingly, somehow he's already back. So that all worked right. out very well. <laughs> <laughs> we just uh, changed so, it on. So we are the big dudes in the trenches. Uh, all three of us, Bug, Doug, and Tug, all present for you. Uh, we are about to kick off the conference preview series, which is one of my most anticipated series of the year, uh, alongside of draft coverage, alongside of the college football regular season, alongside so, of the college football so our, season. I think so the our, entire year is very much yeah. anticipated. I was yeah. going to say, so our entire production schedule, cool. <laughs> one of the most anticipated times of the year, except for all the other times which are also equally anticipated. So <laughs> to kick us off with that, it is worth just taking a break, taking a step back, look at all of the best players in the country at every level of college football. There are plenty of publications that put out All-America teams. We're certainly not going to be the only ones who try their hand at this, uh, but preseason All-America teams are a really good litmus test of how everybody expects the individual players to do this upcoming season. So we decided let's take this up a notch and not just, you know, the FBS, which everybody does one, two, three teams of the best players in the FBS. Let's break this down a little bit more simply and also include the FCS in here. So there's Power 5, Group of 5, and FCS all-America teams, Um, that does mean there are some players in that group of five list that probably would have been on the FBS overall All-America team, Uh, but I didn't include them in the Power Five because they're obviously not in Power Five conferences. There are some group of five guys that are really phenomenal out there, Uh, and there are some FCS guys who I haven't seen on too many other lists anywhere of even players to watch out for, but had incredible stats last season and are returning to a lot of hype for their particular school. I'm very much looking forward to talking about. So these lists are probably, it's, it's going to be pretty familiar to start us off at the power five level. These are guys that almost everybody's heard of at this point, for sure. Uh, Once we got down to the FCS, there are some names that might surprise you and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into this. Let's do it. What a great time to pause and ask for you guys to talk as Ben just starts chewing something. It's yeah, I apologize. I apologize in advance. I had to wake up early to go play a softball game, 
and uh then we had to get showered give baths to the kids and so i'm finally getting food right now so i apologize in advance i was gonna say doug have you ever served in the restaurant industry because that was a classic server interruption as soon as you put food right. in your mouth i will say too uh as we're kicking off the power five preseason all-american offense uh doug i'm going to defer to you because i trust you and i don't think you would just make complete bias here i understand why you didn't put drake nugget nugent on the uh graphic that's fine you put him on the list and blake corn for that matter mm-hmm. but the michigan offensive line just won the joe morris award back-to-back years how is there Correct. only one offensive lineman from michigan on your on your list here I say this is something that we have talked about on the show before even. This is a matter of sometimes the the unit is better than the individual pieces. And I think that is definitively true of the Michigan offensive line where they are legitimately great as a unit and they work together very well in their blocking assignments and working together to fill in some gaps that maybe not everybody's perfect at what they do. Also, of course, there's always turnover. Um, I don't necessarily know too many of the guys who are going to be, I don't know who their left tackle is going to be this year, right? I do know there are two legitimately phenomenal, definitely first round left tackles out there in college football at the power five level. So I'm going to talk about them today. Instead, the only guy I definitively can say on that, offensive line who is going to be phenomenal is the Stanford transfer starter last year center Drake Nugent um yeah he's really freaking good and he moves back inside to center after after they had an actual like a Remington award winner at center last year uh so he had to kick out to guard but now he's playing center again good He's going to be really good. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, individual pieces across the country can be better. I expect the, as a whole, their offensive line is going to be really good again. I was going to say, that, I mean, for both of you. <laughs> right. How much of that do you put on coaching at this point, though? I mean, this is the first time the award was won back to back years. They kept most of their line between 21 and 23. But it sounds like they probably lost a couple more guys going into the 2023 season and had to pick up a piece via transfer. Well, he was a transfer last year. He started for Michigan last year as well. Um, And, yeah, definitely coaching has a big part of that. There's a reason, you know, the line coaches in the Big Ten are some of the most sought-after position coaches in the country. You know, you want want a linebacker coach. Maybe you look to the SEC. But – for offensive and defensive line coaches, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, they are consistently some of the highest rated position coaches in the entirety of college football. Yes, the coaching makes a huge difference. At the same time, I'm relating this not because I'm an Ohio State fan, but because it's something that I know and I can relate it to. There was a period there was back-to-back uh, Lombardi Trophy winners and not Lombardi Trophy um, Remington Award winners. Golly, that's a completely different thing. That's a very uh, different award. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Remington See, if you award had just winners. rolled with it, I would have believed you. <laughs> for the best center in the country that came from Ohio State. And they were it, – It's this is a thing that the Big Ten kind of does where sometimes those offensive line coaches are just the best in the country. So it's it's very possible that even with you know Ohio State has four new starters on the offensive line, the uh, one returning starter is an All American here, uh, Donovan Jackson. Everybody else on the cross the offensive line is brand new to being a starter at least. Uh, that offensive line has the potential to be really good, just because there is a lot of faith in that coaching staff. Pretty similar to the way I'm looking at Michigan's offensive line right now. They have one piece that is out of this world. I don't know enough about the rest to put them on this list. But, yeah, it's it's probably going to be a very good offensive line. I was going to add to this, too, that actually that transfer and him kicking out to guard is uh, 100% going to help Drake Nugent's uh, draft prospects this year because that's – We've talked about this. It's hard to draft a center in the first round. It's very rarely that's the one piece you need. But now a center with guard flexibility, man, that skyrockets your value to these NFL teams. So it's definitely something to watch to make sure that he can still perform at that level. And frankly, there's no reason to expect him not to, which is why he's on this list. Right. And I know this is kind of backwards from how we know, you know, everybody else going to talk about Caleb Williams break. Blake Corum and Marvin Harrison Jr. probably in the same breath as soon as we start talking about preseason All-Americans. Uh, but there's we're the big dudes in the trenches. We got to show the O-line the love that they deserve. And props to you for actually saying Michigan for once. I'm <laughs> I, I'm blown away. Like I, I was thinking that my too. Food the first couple, you know, first couple bites. Yeah, I just figure if we're going to be presenting an All-America team, and I'm going to try to be a real journalist about things, at least on the air, I'm going to have to say the word. Uh, in in regular conversation, it's going to be very difficult to pull that I'm out of me. I'm, I'm going to pick Michigan games every week to watch now. He's growing up. I'm so proud of him. Shut the fuck up. So, <laughs> so I do want to, in so while we're talking about the offensive line, we've talked about the two Big Ten guys on the interior. There's one on the outside of the offensive line as well. I don't blame you for not wanting to pronounce his name. Penn State offensive tackle goes by Olu Fushanu, uh, <laughs> which I appreciate very much. Thank you. He would have been a first-round pick at tackle last draft. He decided to come back because he's he was only a redshirt sophomore and wanted some <laughs> more development and wanted to finish his degree. He is phenomenal, one of the most athletic tackles Penn State's ever had, in my memory at least, and he's just legitimately – fantastic yeah he's he has the potential to be a top five draft pick this coming season and it's the it's the combination of size athleticism and legitimate technique skill technical ability at the tackle position the big 10 has some great pieces across the offensive line i mean that that's where it's at that's all the three big things you want to hear i mean we've talked about it in last draft season of you know, some guys have one piece, some guys have another. It's rare that you see somebody that is the total package of size, athleticism, technique. Um, man, that's definitely going to be a guy to watch, uh, Olu Fashanu here. Uh, if he is, in fact, what you're saying he is, uh, which, I mean, I fully believe. But that's 
it, it, it's a risk. If you're talking to who's a first round talent last year, he definitely took a risk going back to college and risking a an injury or another or a uh, regression season. I don't foresee it happening, but this is definitely something that you want to pay attention for. Yeah, it's it's a risk, but so is going to the NFL if you don't feel like you're actually ready for it. Yet. Yeah. Yep. And that's probably honestly a bigger risk than staying in school for your Richard Jr. season and probably finish your degree and then get going to the NFL. Yep. So I applaud his decision. Honestly, that that makes a lot of sense to me. So I hope I'm hoping for big things for him to finish out the offensive line, offensive tackle out of Notre Dame, Joe Alt and guard formerly left tackle kicked into guard last season and will play guard again. Cooper BB out of Kansas state was kind of floating around some places, third team, all American left tackle kicked into guard and was out of this world. That is the position for this guy. And I expect him to be able to continue to play that in the NFL. He has the size for tackle even, but he was a, a stellar left guard for Kansas State last year and would expect more of the same. And again, there's that positional flexibility we're talking about that these NFL teams love, especially on their interior offensive linemen. Uh, so you're already talking. He's coming out. He's got four position ability. Uh, at least to some degree, sure, he's mainly on the left side, but for position right. ability on that offensive line, that makes him a very, very good depth prospect here. And again, Kansas State had a fantastic season last year, at least by Kansas State standards. Um, and they're going to look to continue that. I mean, they won the Big 12, man. <laughs> it's pretty like good I said, regardless. <laughs> uh, and if they're going to look to continue that, an anchor like Cooper Beebe is definitely – something that you need to return to that same dominance that they were, they had at the beginning of last year. So let's move to the honorary big dude, the tight end of the group. Brock Bowers is one of the most complete receiving tight ends in college football history. And that includes the conversation with uh, the Falcons recent draft pick at number eight overall who is not as good of a receiver as Brock Bowers is. <laughs> like, legitimately, Georgia's offense is potentially the receiving game, and Georgia is all going to run through the tight end, which for the presumed number one team in the country, that is weird and terrifying. So, <laughs> <laughs> Brock Bowers is well, really it- freaking good. Uh, you know, similar to Cooper Beebe, he would have, and, and Olu Fashonu, Fashanu, there we go, there we go, I knew I had it, uh, he would have been a first round draft pick this last draft as well, Yeah, you know, and getting all, all the comparisons, uh, especially in the national championship game, he lit up uh, TCU seven receptions for 152 who, yards. Who didn't light up TCU? That's, uh, I mean, the team up north, <laughs> the big, the big 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Brock Bowers is legitimately the third best receiver in the country, and he is not a wide receiver. So it's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to watch him play if you're not playing against him <laughs> that particular week. <laughs> uh, 
since I said he's the third best, I do think there are two receivers who are legitimately better than him at being Actually receivers. receivers. Uh, Rome Odunze out of Washington is just a – wow, what a combination of size and athleticism. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. somehow seems better than that, though, simply because I'm of the hands front. ability. <laughs> like, I – I actually do think Marvin well, Harrison Jr. is an inch taller, uh, slightly heavier, and somehow faster and with better hands. Well, Marvin Harrison Jr. is has already been called one of the best prospects for the NFL draft that has ever been created in a lab because that's the only way this was possible. And <laughs> and this catch that's well, on screen right now uh, is yeah. – that was a catch – that was yes. one foot in bounds. He caught. You, you that can ball. see the foot in bounds. <laughs> um, that was not the most talked about catch of his season last year. That's how incredible his season was, and how big of a display he put on for his sideline ability and his just his hands ability. This this dude is insane. I mean, we've talked about this with Ohio. And I will State say. Go ahead, Buck. <laughs> Go ahead, Bug. I will say, if he doesn't get hurt in the Georgia game, I think yeah. that he that Ohio State probably wins. That that's fair. And I was going to say, we've talked about it before. You're talking about his sideline ability. This isn't just all natural. He comes in with a little bit of that. But we've talked about the way Ohio State trains their wide receivers in practice, which is two feet in bounds all the time. So when you get to game day, it's you that only need one, one in college. You only need and he can one. Do some and crazy then, shit. <laughs> and then it it continues to enable them to translate to the NFL super easy. A lot of these Ohio State wide receivers are coming out and they're they're getting their names up there as top wide receivers in year one. We're expecting a little bit of the same out of Jackson Smith and Jigbo. We saw it last year with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And I mean, frankly, I'm expecting the same thing out of Marvin Harrison next year. Uh uh, sure, it helps when your dad's name is Marvin Harrison and, you know, all this other good stuff. But the man has worked for it, and it's it truly is a breathtaking display every weekend because he is due for one obscene catch that never should have been made every weekend. I know. It, it kind of makes me laugh, honestly, thinking back to much simpler times when everybody was ooing and aahing over – Odell Beckham Jr. diving for the ball. And now we have Marvin Harrison Jr. doing like contortionist this, this. on the yeah. field. <laughs> Just mid air. It's not even fair. Wild it's, shit. It's really not. <laughs> like, how the do you defend that? The body shouldn't move this way. Right. <laughs> right. Right. How do you defend that? How do you that? defend because this? Because it's impossible. <laughs> so. Just absolutely insane. <laughs> So yeah, he's he's our best receiver in the country uh, on the All America <laughs> offense. <laughs> uh, I do have two running backs here. The my biggest idea behind this list is not every team's going to actually put two running backs on the field. So let's be respectful to the way modern offenses work. Have one running back, but then I have a flex because there are 11 offensive players on the field at a time. That can either be a wide receiver, a tight end, or a running back. Another offensive, quote-unquote, skill position guy 
it happens to be a running back because I think Raheem Sanders is better than Xavier Worthy or insert another tight end here who I can't even think of a a good name that might have made the list at the moment just because Brock Bowers is that dominant. I didn't have to think about tight end that long. But Raheem (laughs) Sanders is one of the fastest players in college football. And it really works putting him in the flex here because he will not only be a running back and a phenomenal one at that, he also returns a lot of kicks for Arkansas. And he's really freaky good at that too. I know a lot of people in their All-America lists, a lot of of outlets put the Ole Miss guy, Quinshawn Judkins. Yes, he had like 1750 yards last year as a freshman. Incredible. He is not the athlete that Raheem Sanders is right now. And if I'm projecting what their seasons are going to be, I think Arkansas is going to rely on Raheem Sanders a bit more than Ole Miss is going to rely on one individual running back. And Raheem Sanders, to me, is the better athlete. So I'm going to take the athlete for the All-America offense. I I enjoy that you're just you know, glossing over Blake Corum here, who is another top talent that was we a higher get rate. to him. I, we talked already about how much I've matured in, in my Michigan coverage. Let's harp on I mean, that. I will I will say, though, <laughs> leaving Blake Corum for last makes sense. Uh, as right. far as, obviously, we're leaving Caleb Williams for the very last. But uh, coming off this knee injury, it's going to be interesting to see how the season shakes out for him. I I wonder how much the game against TCU would have been different for Michigan had he been in. Although, and I'm sorry, it's they didn't have a problem not having him in the game against Ohio State. So that was a tale of two halves, though, right? Because Blake Corum did participate a little bit, and the threat of Blake Corum was there for the game, which does change the dynamic of the game because Blake Corum is that freaking good. So to to have prepared for one running back and gotten another is a different matter than, all right, we know the backup's going to be in, but we're prepared for the backup. The backup can't perform to the same level. Yep. So your defensive schemes are off. Your coverages right. are, are skewed. It, it does change a lot. Your defensive line assignments are significantly different, uh, what your linebackers are doing. That that alone goes to to show the impact that he has on any game, let alone the game, of the respect he commands from that defense in game planning, that he can completely derail a defense just by the mere thought of him being on the thought of him being on the field. I will say also, this is it's going to come across as a defense of Ohio State's performance in the game. It's not necessarily that we are still talking about Blake Corum here. They lost. I it's think, unacceptable. I think uh, the preparation in place for a Blake Corum is potentially a big part of the reason why JJ McCarthy was as successful through the air as he was. Yep. Because so much focus was placed on that run game which is how they were beating every team so far that season was just pounding the ball down everybody's throats with Blake Corum. And for him to be coming back, in theory, he's going to be healthy all year. I haven't seen anything to the contrary of that. 
it is a knee injury for a running back. There could be something there, but I, I believe he will be healthy and that scares me again. So <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. He's, he is the best pure running back in the country right now on a combination of ability and the team's reliance on him. I mean, that plays a factor in this list as well. But, of course, quarterback uh, Caleb Williams won Heisman Trophy. Before we get there, we said we're going to save quarterback for last. Let's go ahead and talk about our kicker and our long snapper real quick. They're not people. Talk about Caleb Williams. (laughs) Caleb Williams won the Heisman Trophy last year. (laughs) (laughs) He is the front runner to win the Heisman Trophy again because he plays in a Lincoln-Riley offense. And also he – Unless he gets hurt, knock on wood, not wishing that on him in any way. Just saying, if that happens, um, that would be the only thing to knock him out of being the number one pick this year coming up. Say future quarterback of the Houston Texans right here. <laughs> well, they just selected CJ Stroud, so fuck yourself. Hopefully not. <laughs> future quarterback of the Chicago Bears when they trade Justin Fields for another rookie. Maybe the Arizona Cardinals, question mark? Yeah, because they just gave all that money to Kyler Murray for everybody to mock Caleb Williams to them. It's so wild to me. But also, they might end up with a number one and number two overall picks. We'll see. Shit, might as well take a flyer at that point. Uh, Yeah, we do have kicker and long snapper on here, but let's move on to the next slide. Uh, That's that's really all we're going to say about Caleb Williams? I mean, what's there to say? He's got one the Heisman. Better- what's there? Draft. I don't know. Yeah, no. What's so, there so to say? His performance in the conference championship game was. I mean, yeah, I would put more of the loss in the conference championship game on him than the game against Tulane. Game against Tulane in the Cotton Bowl, he did everything he could. Tulane just wanted it more. Ultimately, they the one point loss. Well, then you go into the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, he was the entire offense, but he also got sacked seven times. I will put a maximum of three, three and a half of those sacks on the offensive line. If you're getting sacked seven times, some of that's on you. See, at the same time, while yes, that's concerning, and, and don't get me wrong, it absolutely is, I'm looking at this as what he's going to put up on the season as a whole. And he's in a Lincoln Riley spread offense with a legit wide receiver core this year. Uh, Again, he had a legit one last year too. So I'm expecting very much the same, if not better, because now he's cleaning that up. He's got a year's growth underneath him is the way I'm looking at that. I agree in theory. There were some things that Caleb Williams did to hurt himself and the team in that specific game. I also realized that was coming from a position of they were down for probably the first time that season. Yep. And the coaching staff said, all right, figure it out, Caleb. It's literally all on you. We have nothing for this. Go find <laughs> us some yards and some touchdowns. And Coach, I think, we're down by seven. What do you mean we're down? <laughs> I think, too, the other thing you got to look at is Utah, for whatever reason, had their number last year. I don't know yeah, what it is, but they put up forty. Like they put up over forty points both times they played. Well, I'm going to say this as as an Ohio State fan. You know, Utah's had USC's number, Michigan's had Ohio State's number. Look at the constructions of those teams. The ideas are kind of the same. You get a 
pass first offense versus a very physical team. The physical team, if they can match talent, will win that game. Yep. There are very few physical teams who can match the talent, but when you can, the physical team will win. So Utah, yes, is in the same breath as USC on a talent level. They're going to win that matchup more often than not, and the same right now, at least the past two seasons, for Michigan and Ohio State. We've seen it on the field. You get the more physical up-front team, they'll beat the Flash because, I mean, that's just that that's kind of pure fundamentals of football. You, I was going to say, if you, you slow down the Flash. Yeah, yeah, if you can punch them in the mouth early in the game, you slow down the Flash. You slow down the Flash, you knock them off their game, and it's all yours from there. Right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, defense. Is this Markevious's brother? Or no, that's Mingo. My bad. Yeah. That, Wingo that... is a different guy. Yep. <clears throat> uh, the, the best defensive tackle in the country is, of course, a Clemson player. Obviously, it has been for the past decade, seemingly. Uh, unless you're talking year. about the two unreal freaks of nature at Georgia who both got drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles. Weird. Because everybody in the league decided <laughs> they were going to let that happen for some fucking reason. Is, I know. Are, is this the all-name defense, or is this the actual American defense? Because these Dude, names if are I made good. If I made an all-name defense, that would be a different list except for Kool-Aid McKinstry. And, and <laughs> Ledeatric? Griffin? Like... As a return specialist, that's not it's not the same thing. He's probably not even gonna get talked about again it, in this slide. So but what a name. <laughs> like <laughs> Kool-Aid McKinstry, Cameron Kinchins. These are yeah. fantastic. And then and, just... and then you got and then you got white boy over there, Harold Perkins, who probably isn't even white. But he's not he, white. It's one of the whitest names I've seen. <laughs> I think. Um, legitimately, I believe the only white dude on this defense is Tommy Eichenberg. I believe that. I, I actually believe that. <laughs> anyway, defensive tackles. Tyler Davis is great. <laughs> Bye, Bug. Uh, <clears throat> look, you guys have this been like me all the time. I know okay. I'm not a Clemson fan, but they truly have. I do have a soft spot for Clemson interior defensive line. Christian Wilkins is amazing, and it's it's about his time frame. They've only been getting better and better at that position. This is the one staple you can count on year in and year out, regardless of the ebbs and flows of college football that Clemson will put out, and they will be really, really good. Certainly feels like it. And Tyler Davis is no exception. Makai Wingo is potentially a more curious pick here. I don't think he's going to make too many All-America teams, at least on the, the quote-unquote first team. We're not doing a second and third team. Um, Makai Wingo is just a combination of skills that I really look forward to seeing. This is a bit of projection on my part. I'm expecting maybe another leap from Makai Wingo. We do have to remember, my biggest knock against Brian Kelly 
is his recruiting, not necessarily his coaching style. When he already has phenomenal athletes, they turn out pretty damn good, especially on the they, offensive and defensive lines. They get better. I am expecting Makai Wingo to have a really phenomenal season. We already saw him do wonderful things last year. It's another year with a coaching staff that I do trust on the trenches. So maybe maybe a wild card pick there, but I've I've, I, I like, I the, like the wild card picks. I, <laughs> I was gonna say I like wild card picks because it sets us apart. I also really like. Granted, this might be playing the line, and I feel like we're gonna see these names all over the place. I love the picks at edge here. Uh, Jared Verse is a speedy guy on the outside. Can definitely wreak havoc in the back. And JT uh, Tui Malau has been getting better and better every season we've watched him. He had a down year his first season, uh, where he kind of just right at the end of camp showed up at Ohio state, which is understandable. Right. Um, but he took a huge step forward last year. And I think he's going to do it again this year. It's funny to say he had a down year, his freshman season, when he couldn't, I mean, gone anywhere from there. It was like, he was, was learning saying, how to play the game in college for the expectations. He, he was coming in with, it was a down season. <laughs> uh, if, if anyone will recall the Penn state game last year, JT Tulimoloau definitely has a place on this list. Uh, Absolutely, for his like five sacks in that game. So damn, that's crazy. <laughs> between the three of us, we can't. We've even only got three. Uh, <laughs> God, it's been so long. I'm glad. Jared Verse has been on my radar since he transferred from U Albany to Florida State. Uh, Ah, yes, this right was just a recruits. University of Albany. This was purely a guy who came onto the scene late and is a physical, just a, a physically dominant player. He has every trait you would look for in a guy to play this position, but he didn't start playing football until late enough that he couldn't get any power five offers. So he goes to Albany. And then from Albany jumps to Florida State and has a respectable season last year. That combination of athleticism, size, speed, just with some more coaching, we've already seen it start to work. Jared Verse is terrifying off the edge. And people are expecting some big things out of Florida State this year. I don't want to spoil anything ahead of, you know, we have a couple of weeks until our ACC preview, but I don't know. We'll see how we feel about Florida State this upcoming season as well. But Jared Verse definitely has to factor into that equation just because of, wow, that when's the last time Florida State had themselves had a dominant edge rushing presence, like one single guy to just take that spotlight? It's been a little while. So Jared Verse is that guy. And I, I like that too because it, it goes ahead and shows like, yeah, sure, we got one guy from Florida State here. We're expecting bigger things, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, out of this team this year, but there's not many that are that spotlight guy. This is a well-built team at this point. So the fact that he is right. making his name known as a guy on a well-built team and just heads and shoulders above the rest is, is amazing. Look, just because y'all stand heads and shoulders above me doesn't mean anything. 
No, I was already thinking ahead to the next guy's name on the list here, and it reminded Javon me of Dumas the joke. Johnson. It reminded me of the joke from Shawshank Redemption. He's like Alexandria, dumbass. Dumas, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Look, it's a Georgia so, linebacker. Need we say more? <laughs> Dumas Johnson. The only Georgia player on this list. It, it feels weird that we only have one on this list for the first didn't time they, in what three didn't years. Like their entire defense just get drafted. Didn't two we say that about their defense row. two years in a row? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't keep putting them on if I don't know what they're bringing to the table. Kind of the point. Yeah. Um, Jamin is kind of the only guy who's seen significant playing time yet in his career. And he's really good. So he makes the list as the best like, linebacker in the fucking country. Because if but. you're really good and still riding pine. <laughs> True. True, but also all everyone else got drafted in the first round again. So it's hard to replace those guys yep. <laughs> if you're an underclassman. Uh, yeah, George is still going to have a really great defense, but he's he's the only individual player that we know specifically. This guy will be dominant. Uh, the other linebacker who made the list for me is Tommy Eichenberg. I've been singing his praises for a little over a year now. Um, seeing his development as just a legitimately pure middle linebacker, which is one of my favorite positions in all football. I love purely dominant middle linebackers. Um, As a a threat in pass coverage, in rush situations where he needs to be, as a run stopper, as a guy who eats tackles, Tommy Eichenberg is one of my favorite players in the country this year. And – I mean, I don't know. It's as it's, this isn't one of those situations where we have a physical, physically dominant guy who just can do everything and therefore he's great. This is a guy who is that old school mold of a linebacker. And if you put him in any other position on either side of the ball, he would suck ass. But he is, (laughs) he has studied how to play linebacker so well that he's really good at it. And he always, every game that I've watched him the past, every game last season, when I watched Tommy Eichenberg specifically, he is always in the right place at the right time. At some point, that's not luck. That is film study and knowledge, knowing skill. how to play the position yep. just that well. So I'm going to ask this here because it's our, my last chance to. You don't have to answer if it's not one of the guys we have listed. Mm-hmm. Who is the blocko this year? Um, has it been named yet? It has not been named yet. I okay. have some theories. We'll see what happens. I, I I ask because for some reason Tommy Eichenberg feels like the blocko guy on that defense this year. I don't know why I feel that way. But yeah, I think it's I my guess is it's either going to be Cade Stover or Xavier Johnson. So an offensive guy, but we'll see. It's it's a little ways from being announced yet. I do want to move on to Harold Perkins, the other white sounding name who's not a white guy. Um, (laughs) So I didn't exactly know where to put him is the only reason he's in my flex. He would have kicked off either JT Tuimolowal or Tommy Eichenberg if I could pin down whether or not I wanted to list him as an edge or a linebacker. He legitimately does both of those things. 
he's a true three four edge, where he's a stand up edge rusher, plays a little bit of linebacker in pass coverage. He uh, can be a four three or a three four outside linebacker. Yeah, that's really he what can I was do to, both yeah. of those roles: on ball, off ball, outside linebacker. He is great at both of those things, and I think. I think I already said it, right? He he would have knocked off either JTT or Eichenberg. Yep. If so you put him I at had flex to pick a position. Copy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two corners, Kool-Aid McKinstry lives up to the name? weird name. You almost have to be dominant if you're going to be named Kool-Aid. Uh, Kalen King out of Penn State is another guy who potentially could have been a first-round pick out of Penn State last year and decided to come back to school. His, uh, I is. understand, because he was overshadowed last year by Joey Porter Jr. So exactly. now he gets his chance to come out and shine on his own to really skyrocket that uh, that draft stock here. Again, assuming he plays well, I don't have any issues with that. He's covered guys like Jahan Dotson in practice. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of good reps. He's covered guys like Marvin Harrison in actual games. Uh, he's got a lot of good experience out there. I do expect him to take another step forward, which is saying something, because like you're saying, he's already really good. Uh, right. It is going to be hard to kind of step out from behind that that shadow of Joey Porter Jr., but I think I think he can do it. And then the two safeties on the list, Cameron Kinchins and Tyler Newbin, out of Miami and Minnesota, respectively. Kinchins has been... One of those guys, I think he is probably on some of your all-conference lists the past two years. He's the best player on this Miami defense for sure. It's not saying and he's much. kind of the reason on the back end that I have any faith in them. It's uh, That's not saying a lot so far. True. <laughs> that is true. Football's better uh, when the U matters, though. Facts. Yeah. And I will freely admit that the Tyler Newbin pick is probably a bit of bias. I'm a big Tyler Newbin fan for some weird reason that I can't exactly explain. I just think you, he's one of those tough guys who, you know, fucks people up out of the safety spot. And that's you, enjoyable you, for me. You know what the best thing about creating your own list is? You can select who you want and screw it. Nobody can stop you. Exactly. I don't think too many other folks are going to have him on their quote-unquote first team All-America defense. But Tyler Newbin is... A joy to watch for me. <laughs> and yeah, he's honestly probably the best player on the Minnesota Golden Gophers this year. Um, again, you could say that might not be saying that much. Uh, <laughs> depends on what you think about Minnesota this season. But yeah, Tyler Newbin's legitimately good. How do you? Minnesota's not... always that team that kind of just sneaks around, uh, it's kind of you... just there. Right. They had a fine season last year. Yeah. They're a thorn in everyone's side. My question to you guys is how do you include special teams on an All-America team and not include Iowa's punter? You mean I the first-round punter that should have been drafted last year? Like <laughs> The most consistent boot I have ever seen in the punter position. He was their best offense. Was kicking the ball deep consistently. Look, look people might. He was okay. one of their best defensive players too. He is the only reason they beat San Diego or uh, South Dakota State last year. Like Correct. the only reason. 
very correct. So Tory Taylor makes the list. Congratulations. And, and we talked about him as if he was a person. Congratulations again. That doesn't happen often. So we are going to speed things up now. Uh, I think it's going to help a bit that you guys will know fewer and fewer of these names probably. Dude, no. you, sorry, I'm looking at the defense for the group of five, and you cannot convince me this is not an all-name team. I know there are a couple of picks that are worth it, but we'll get there in a bit. We have to talk about the offense first. Uh, sincere Hainsworth comes back as the center for Tulane. He was and you're telling freaking. me this isn't an all-name team. It's not fair. If I'm telling you, Tugas, if I made an all-name team, it would be much different than this. I'm, I'm trying to get you to do this. I'm trying to make this happen. Yeah, and it's not going to happen. You know how long this took? <laughs> <laughs> On the interior of the offensive line, rounding out sincere Haynesworth, we have Christian Haynes out of Connecticut and Cade Bennett out of San Diego State. Christian Haynes is... I'm sure some people are going to legitimately have him up there in their second, third team. I'm, just general FBS All America. Like I'm he is and a great guard. Shocked and yeah. impressed. UConn has somebody on this list. I I saw a couple of UConn games last year. I'm not surprised to see at least one player show up from there, especially from the offensive line. I'm, I'm yeah. excited that it looks like they're taking steps in the right direction now and not just trying to go back into the FCS. I'm excited they're making those. Correct. Aren't they still yeah. going to the FCS though? No. Like, isn't it too? Li- I, oh, they're not. They changed course wh- finally. I I know it's not what the American needs. I also enjoy that this picture of Christian Haynes is from when they were in the American. Right. Uh, I <laughs> I would enjoy seeing the American take UConn back up as a football only program. Leave them in the Big East for for basketball and all that. But it would be interesting to see them go back as a football only member. So, Bug, you're going to absolutely hate this, but there has been legitimate talk of Connecticut to the Big 12. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. They, I'm not no. kidding. I, I'm not kidding. And I don't like it either. But oh, my God. That makes sense for basketball. To, oh, my God. I know. That's what that would I know. be. Well, they were talking about bringing them on with Gonzaga. Oh, my. That would be. And can we convince them they really... to get a football program? Gonzaga does not have a football program. Uh, can we convince them to get one? Uh, With all that Big 12 money. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) No, Do they really want UConn playing football in the Big 12? I doubt it. they really want UConn playing basketball in the Big 12. I think ideally they'd bring them on as a basketball-only member or something. See, I don't think UConn wants to leave. I think they want to be in the Big East, though. And I think that was was part of the problem, besides the fact that they were getting stomped in football. Right. But I think that was part of the reason they wanted to leave because they just happened to have a football team that made sense right. to go to the American. Uh, and instead they realized, like, hey, maybe we just need to be independent. Yeah. I Honestly. I do want them in a conference, but I don't know right. what that right fit is right now. The American is the easy fix, but the American's trying to spread geographically and UConn doesn't get them anything new. Honestly, ideally, in my mind – you would have Connecticut and UMass joining the MAC together. That'd be interesting for football. UMass tried to join the MAC before and left because of purely because of the distance to the rest of the conference members. So if they added a travel partner with Connecticut, 
that could alleviate some concerns for some yeah. sports at least. And you can drive an actual anyway. rivalry there. Uh, not a good one, but you can drive a rivalry. I mean, it's anyway. not like either of those football teams are setting the earth on fire. Uh, but Christian Haynes is, so give him some respect. <laughs> uh, at the tackle spots, I do have Nolan Potter out of Northern Illinois and Cade Beresford out of Boise State. Uh, Nolan Potter is probably another unique pick for these kind of lists, but I've really enjoyed Nolan Potter throughout his career. Uh, really the lone bright spot for me when I watch Northern Illinois. And, you know, sometimes sometimes that's all it's all it takes is a dominant left tackle, and you can pump out some decent offensive numbers, uh, which I think is what we saw last year out of Northern <laughs> Illinois, and we'll probably see it again this year. It's, it's amazing The offense that will be okay because they have such a good left tackle there. Uh, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I gotta say it's scary to look at this list and see a Western Kentucky quarterback and a Western Kentucky wide receiver. That offense has been high flying for a long time at the Group of Five level, and it's only yes. going to be worse this year. They yeah, because they still Reed, run that air raid, don't they? Austin Reed comes back after leading the FBS in passing yards last season, and looks like one of the best Western Kentucky quarterbacks that they've had. And that includes the guys who have gone on to be drafted and play decently in the NFL so far when they've gotten a chance. Austin Reed is a an actual quarterback prospect out of Western Kentucky and Malachi Corley transferred to Western Kentucky because he got to play with Austin Reed. Like if you're not going to get to Ohio state, USC, Alabama, you're one of your, top five options if you're going to want to put up big numbers as a wide receiver is to transfer to Western Kentucky. Kentucky. And people are starting to realize that Malachi Corley comes in as one of their highest rated receivers ever. I'm looking for big things out of him. And I really do expect him to have a phenomenal season and Austin Reed as well. Again, I am so excited that Ohio state plays Western Kentucky this season because that's my biggest concern with Ohio State is the back end of that defense. And if we can hold Western Kentucky, uh, that bodes well for the rest of the season. As weird that, as that sounds to say, I that agree. passing offense sounds, is terrifying. That also sounds like a trap game in the making. Well, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. But <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Western Kentucky still has to play defense. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And who do they have that's going to cover Marvin Harrison Jr.? Just hand him the ball. I have just straight from the center to Marvin Harrison Jr. Let him run out of the field. <laughs> Are we expecting Frank Gore to take a step forward this year? I am. He's not. That's I know. why I put him on the list. I was going to say, he's got the same name recognition as Marvin Harrison Jr., but he does not have the same talent level that Marvin Harrison Jr. has been playing with. I think that's a little bit harsh, but I understand where you're coming from. He still averages like six yards a carry. And his bowl performance is the reason he's on this list for me, which maybe is a bit sketchy. And I'm sure that's a big reason why he hasn't appeared on more lists like this, where Frank Gore Jr. is – just a bruiser. 
He, he plays a very son. similar style to his yeah. dad, as opposed to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Marvin Harrison. They play a completely different kind of wide receiver. But Frank Gore Jr. plays like his dad did. That's not flashy Bad. or sexy for today's yeah. game. It is consistent and powerful. And when you have an offensive line who can support it, and you have a running back who you believe in and empower to do that, I'm not saying that he is Derrick Henry. I'm saying look at what the Tennessee Titans do when they scheme around the ability to do that. Yep, They were the number one seed in the AFC with it. You can win a lot if you believe in your run game enough and put that running back in the right position to do that. They did it for their bowl game. Frank Gore Jr. had 300 yards and four touchdowns. I think it is legitimately possible that Frank Gore Jr. (laughs) blows up as a pure runner simply because Southern Miss almost has no other options for their offense. Like, what else are they going to do? That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I really want to see. I'm. This is projection. I will freely admit this is a lot of projection, but it is projection based on something that I have seen out of Frank Gore Jr., and it's, it is beautiful when it's working to its fullest extent. Yeah. Uh, opposite is true for Rasheen Ali. I have seen it to its fullest extent so far, and it is gorgeous, damn near perfect. Rasheen Ali and Kalen Laybourne last year made Marshall one of the scariest running back rooms in all of college football. Rasheen Ali gets to do it by himself this season. Yeah, he's going to be good. Man, that could you imagine pairing him <laughs> with Frank Gore Jr.? And then you've got the speed on the outside with uh, Rasheen Ali and then Frank Gore pounding it up the middle. Like, does it get any better than that when it comes to running game football? I mean, that's what every running back room looks for in the NFL anymore. It's like what three guys who do different I things. Dream so. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these two and then a receiving back, and you have an, uh, the Patriots running back room for the next five years. <laughs> you have the Patriots <laughs> offense for the next five years. They don't get wide receivers or, or quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, so we've already talked about Malachi Corley, but we skipped over Torrey Horton. Uh, it might be weird to some to think about, you know, Colorado state season last year Fact. and see a Colorado state player on this list. Uh, here's the thing. Torrey Horton went for like 1600 yards last season as their only option at wide receiver. Uh, so for him to be able to do that when he's going to be the focus of everybody's defense, that's pretty scary in itself. I think Torrey Horton's a legitimate talent wide receiver, and I don't think enough people are talking about it. I mean, that's fair. Like you said, no one thinks of good when they think of Colorado State right now uh, or really just football in the state of Colorado. Um, I I like it. I like the pick. I like what he's doing out there. I like to see what steps he takes moving forward. And last, but certainly not least, Oscar Cardenas out of UTSA. Probably my only like favorite tight end out of the group of five. Like I can't name anybody who comes close to what he's doing at UTSA. Um, and it's not that it's not like Brock Bowers where he's a receiving guy. He's doing everything right. for them which is right. why he earned a spot here. And you go back and look at his past couple seasons, he's improved on his receiving games, matching his touchdowns and looking like a much more possession tight end, more of a traditional tight end uh, than especially Brock Bowers, you know, drawing that comparison again. So but he's going to be tight ends that you, 
he's one of those tight ends you want to have on the field every single play. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just a such a traditional honorary big dude kind of role that we have to respect him here. <laughs> yep. Um there are other players at the bottom of the screen. I don't know if they count as people though, so we're gonna move on. All right, moving on. Diego Guarda and Ethan Hudak. Yep. Hudak. Well, you one, went too far. too far. Uh, you missed. Look at the FCS real quick. Oh Tugs my god! Version. Where are you going? There we go. All right. Okay. My <laughs> Before we get into this, you have no, Fish McWilliams, Praise Amawali, Ridge Texada. I mean, that almost looks like QAnon Mitchell. Like, I know it's not, but. You done? QAnon Mitchell. <laughs> I'm not listening to your bullshit. This is legitimate reporting, and you're shitting on it. Stop it. Just James like... Carpenter at James Madison is one of the best defensive players in the country. It is true. I believe you. Fish McWilliams is a great defensive tackle. I believe you, but these names okay. are fantastic. <laughs> Look, another UConn guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jackson Mitchell is really, really good. Uh, I will say he is a definitive second best linebacker here, though. Jason Henderson led the FBS in tackles, I believe, um, and has potential to do that again. Like Jason Henderson is what you look for in a linebacker kind of a guy that is Jason Henderson is really good. Um, but I do want to get back to the defensive interior yes. real quick. Fish McWilliams and James Carpenter, both are a bit more of your traditional run stuffing, eat up blocks in the middle kind of defensive tackles, as opposed to some of the pass rushing defensive tackles that a lot of places like to talk about. I don't expect Fish to get a whole lot of sacks. Um, I expect he'll do well enough with his one starter sack that you know he comes prepackaged with. Uh, <laughs> I tried too hard for that one. Yeah, but yeah, he did. But he is the biggest force to watch out for. Why on was Bud picturing that? <laughs> Try not to. <laughs> uh, I did get a Memphis guy in here. Jalen Allen is legitimately great at edge rusher. Uh, but even with that, I don't think he stacks up to praise. I'm a well, I'm a at UTEP praise is I'm surprised he did not transfer to a power five program because UTEP has had some not so great seasons and for him to stick around and still be performing at the level he is. Uh, I don't know. I I like that kind of thing, but also I could definitely understand trying to boost his own draft stock by going somewhere a little bit more high profile. Uh, but we're still recognizing him here. He's doing a there fantastic job on the edge. Yeah, and I'll say too. You know, Jalen Allen's improved every year that he's been at Memphis. Last year, his best year yet. Obviously, improving every year, right? Uh, the biggest thing, too, is he's showing some flexibility and some versatility. He was able to drop back in a little bit of pass coverage and get a pick six against North Texas early in the season last year. Love it. 39-yard return. It was wild. I love big man touchdowns. 
So I had to this bring is it the up. First, this is the first time I've used the flex position on a defensive back and not a front seven player. Um, which I guess this is this is the second. It's only the second time you've so. done it. <laughs> anyway, Ridge Tushata is a corner for North Texas, who is very fun to watch. Speedy guy, ball hawk to an extent. I don't know if he has the best of coverage skills. I have seen them being you know improving as I watch him play. But yeah, I expect him to compete for most interceptions. Uh, a couple of guys on this list might be in that conversation. Ridge Tushata is just a a fun corner to watch. Well, and this is – I'm glad we have at least one North Texas player on here. There has to be somebody that brings the defense together and elevates the defense, but this is probably the best built and improved unit year in and year out. I would say North Texas definitely has to be a team to watch out for. The problem is I have no clue what the conference – what uh, the American Athletic Conference is going to look like this year. There's so much turnover. Right. You, I, I think you still have to put them near the top, though, because of what this defense is going to be. Yep. Right. They lost three and added six. That's a completely different conference. Yeah. Like I have no <laughs> clue. Tulane, maybe. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about them later. Yeah. Uh, other corners on this list: Micah Abraham out of Marshall and Quinian Mitchell out of Toledo, or um, QAnon, as Tug wants to say. Yeah. Mike Abraham is what I wanted um, the younger Gilmore to be at Marshall. Uh, Gilmore had his moments, but Mike Abraham is consistently very solid for Marshall, which is honestly more valuable than having a couple flash in the pan moments. Yep. Um, And we saw it last year too. I mean, they played on the same team last year, right? Mike Abraham was the guy that teams didn't want to target and so then they would attack Gilmore on the other side and occasionally get intercepted. But most of the time, you wouldn't throw to Mike Abraham because you had a, a worse chance of getting the yardage. Um, Quinion Mitchell is the up there for the best defensive back in the MAC. But Marcus Fuqua is probably the guy who takes that crown. Safety at a Buffalo is wow, freaky good. And this is this is the one that's not projection at all. Marcus Fuqua has already been great for two seasons. Uh, Jack Howell is a younger guy at safety, another Colorado State guy, which again looks a little bit weird. Are but you projecting as a, as a true sophomore? I believe last year Jack Howell burst on the scene as a actually legitimately good safety. It I am. This is some projection for Jack Howell. I want to I'm in for Colorado State at this point. I don't think Colorado State's going to be good. I just think two of their players are happen to be two of the best in the country at their positions, which is crazy. They're not good at everything else, though, is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, Marcus Fuqua and Jack Howell round out that defensive back room for our group of five preseason All-America. I like it. And, hey, we got another SDSU punter, so good luck to him. And then right. uh, we have a return specialist, Milan Tucker out of App State. Who, again, you know, I've said this for a couple of guys, Milan Tucker would have contended for that overall FBS title 
as all America return specialist. Uh, but we did break it out into power five and group of five. So he lands here. Milan Tucker's really good at this stuff. Freaky fast. As you freaky would fast, freaky sandwiches. <laughs> all right, Jimmy Johns. <laughs> now to the FCS all America offense. Um, let's start with the center because, you know, I said the Remington award is as like the FBS award. There's also a Remington award that goes to the best FCS center. It's a different Remington award, but it's the same name. Uh, it's the Zach, same award, just different levels. Zach gag won the Remington award last year and is coming back. At center, so it's impossible for me not to name him the best center in the country right now, out of Fair. Southeast Missouri State. Uh, yeah, he is the best center that there we, is. I mean, we <laughs> we say it all the time that you got to win in the trenches to have a shot. Mm-hmm. Simo it's, was not good until last year. Somehow they turned right. it around. They were a playoff team last year. They were very right. good last year, and that's where it starts. Yep. yep. It starts with having an award-winning offensive line. So, good on them. <laughs> Generally, that does help. Yeah. Uh, another right. playoff team represented here on the interior, guard John Allen for Southeastern Louisiana. Um, yeah, one of my favorite guards in all of the FCS. Like, he is just a powerful people mover. Very what fun I like watch. as a guard. I know. Isn't the entire offensive line here from playoff teams? Or did Holy Cross miss? Uh, yeah, Holy Cross made it. Holy Cross. All right. It. So, yeah, the entire offensive line yeah. is playoff teams. That's true. Um, well, the next two are off the national champion. Yep. South Dakota State. Uh, left tackle and left guard here. Garrett Greenfield and Mason McCormick. The left side of, of South Dakota State's offensive line is terrifying. Um, freaky good. Yeah. <laughs> I and, don't know, and they're I, returning. I don't know what to say. And they're returning. Yeah, right. Both of them are coming back, and both of them were probably up there among the top reasons they won the national championship last year. Like, North Dakota State had no answer to stop them. And then it, they're usually the best team in the country all around at everything and they they couldn't get into the backfield at all twice this is why south dakota state's able to run the ball so well and then when they were able to stop the run south dakota state has a little wrinkle where they can actually pass whereas if you can stop north dakota state from running you pretty much stop the offense um so this team is well built, but you're you're entirely correct. A lot of this starts right here on the left side of this line where it's almost impossible to get through these guys. You talk about powerful people movers, and, and these two are right up there with the best of them. So as much as we talk about Garrett Greenfield, another left tackle on this list, and the best left tackle in the FCS is Luke Newman out of Holy Cross. Yeah, that is that is an anchor. <laughs> For Holy Cross, you, it's hard to do much against the offensive line when you have a dominant left tackle. And it's it's evident when you watch Holy Cross play that, yeah, the quarterback can do whatever he wants because he has unlimited time. And that's probably has a lot to do with Luke Newman. 
So <laughs> got to protect that right blind side, and he does it well. He he does it very well. I would not at all be surprised if Luke Newman gets drafted and carves out a career because he's a good. legitimate, legitimately good tackle. Um, again, let's go ahead and jump to the tight end position, the honorary big dude, but for the wrong reasons yet again, he's a <laughs> <Yeah>. receiving tight end. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you didn't watch the UIW Sacramento State quarterfinal game from last year, go on ESPN Plus and just turn that baby on. This was a shootout oh, from yeah. the get-go, and Marshall Martin was a massive part of it. Yeah, he is. This, this, I think this was the most fun FCS game I watched all year by far. Definitely, definitely true. I was about to say something that's going to sound stupid, but I'm, I think I'm going to say it anyway because why not? For the FCS level, at least, Marshall Martin is dominating the same that Brock Bowers is dominating at the FBS level. I, I As a receiving tight end, Marshall Martin is everything you're looking for at Sacramento State. He is. Wow, something else. Um, you love to see it. Let's talk about the two running backs on this list because Dylan Laub is mostly at running back. He will also get plenty of receiving yards. It's kind of why I wanted to put him in the flex instead of the pure running back. Uh, Jaden Sheridan is for sure a for Sheridan a, a pure runner of the football. Dylan Laub can catch it too. And that makes him pretty scary for different reasons. But Monmouth is a legitimate offense, in my opinion, purely because of Jaden Sheridan and what he's able to do behind not even a phenomenal offensive line, but a good enough offensive line that makes a big enough hole that Jaden Sheridan can find his way through it and break out some big gains. It's it's interesting what he's able to do in space. (laughs) 1700 <laughs> yards as a freshman, right? Redshirt, freshman. Uh, so yeah, yeah I he, he's good at it, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Just Dylan Laub, yeah, is not going to compete with 1700 yards on the ground, but in total yards, Dylan Laub is up there. Uh, his receiving ability is something special as well. New Hampshire has had a couple of good years back to back here, very fun to watch. New Hampshire feel like they came out of nowhere and became worth watching so that's that's nice um wide receivers hayden hatton had like 16 touchdowns last year and 15 1600 yards just slept on receiver purely because he played for idaho there were so many good teams in the big sky last year that people weren't talking about the vandals but hayden hatton was having a having himself a year I guess similar vein to the Colorado State receiver we just talked about. On a bad team, people don't talk about you that much. But Hayden Hatton is a stat monster. And there weren't any other receivers on that team that I was scared of. So (laughs) people ought to be planning to play Hayden Hatton, and he's still putting up numbers like that. That's crazy. Uh, Mercer, on the other hand, has two legitimate wide receiver threats. And I was going back and forth on which one to put here. I went with Ty James. Honestly, the two Mercer guys are number two and number three for me in the FCS. So it's that should be a very scary offense. Uh, probably going to run through the air, and that's that's why. 
<laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to get a lot of work in his cupcake week. Yes. <laughs> Actually, do they play Mercer this year? Uh, it's I'm guessing they always fucking play Mercer. It's either they either it's either Auburn, Alabama is going to play Mercer in like week nine, I, week ten, and then they'll play each other in rivalry week. Correct. I I need to know this right now. Uh, Mercer gets to play which which SEC school? Which SEC Alabama <laughs> SEC school? Uh, no, they're playing Ole Miss. They might win that game. early Let's in the season. Go, Mercer, yeah, <laughs> they're playing Ole Miss week two. Shout out Ole Miss for actually playing a cupcake during cupcake time. <laughs> Alabama got scared, I guess. <laughs> but that leaves us with the quarterback Parker McKinney, uh, who I hadn't seen on any other FCS All America lists, even We're, even places that do second and third teams. Uh, I think the biggest reason for that is people were trying to pump these out a little bit early. Parker McKinney was honestly not expected to return. This will be his sixth season in college football, uh, which is becoming more and more common, seems like. I'm going to blame Brady White for this. Eighth eighth season? Look, Brady White started the trend. I'm blaming him. Yeah, we, I, I don't think he started the trend, but okay. We have a guy who is about to play his eighth season in college football, just transferred. Is he, he going to be a medical doctor? I hopefully at this point, <laughs> uh, but Parker McKinney is not. He just likes playing college football, I guess, and he is dedicated to Eastern Kentucky. This is one of the most loyal college football players I've seen in a long time. He led the FCS in passing yards last year, if I remember correctly. Um, and I think was up there top five two years ago as well. Like Parker McKinney is a legitimate quarterback talent for the FCS level, at least. He said he had FBS power five offers and he loves Eastern Kentucky and wants to perform for this school. Good, and good old Kentucky boy. And as crazy as that is for his NFL stock, uh, I respect the hell out of it. And I'm very excited to watch him play again this year. Uh, And I'm really hoping to attend one or two of his games this year because, damn it, I I need to see the end of the Parker McKinney era. And I expect him to light shit up again. There we go. There we go. He is so good. Damn near 4,000 yards passing last year. Yeah. See if he can get 5,000 this year, huh? That'd be something else. Uh, I know I know most places are putting the guy from Samford as quarterback for the FCS All-America, uh, Michael Hers, Hires. Um, and I, yeah, I see the talent there, but I, I had to give some respect to the, the old man who's been doing it so long that everybody forgets he exists, it seems <laughs> like. But Parker McKinney's still dominating out here. And, yeah, I got to – Got to give the man his due. There you go. I, uh, and we got see, kickers. And a long snapper. Found, found a dude from Rhode Island to make your uh, your All-America team for the FCS. Yeah. Legitimately, my thought process for kickers, and this is true of every kicker who's been on this list, I went for the returning kicker who had the best field goal and extra point percentage the last year. That's valid. Uh, and that... Seems to not have been a standard practice. I haven't seen Ethan Getman getting any love from anybody, but 
he had the best field goal percentage out of any kicker last year. So in the FCS, kicked one kick. American kicker. He did not. <laughs> I went. I went for guys who had at least like fifteen field goal attempts. Uh, that, that was that was my other rule. <laughs> and we got Julian Ashby out of Furman at long snapper. What what yeah. were you about long snappers? Um, they snapped the ball really far. It definitely wasn't going to be the guy from Weber State. <laughs> <laughs> second team. He's second team. <laughs> well, he's number two team. It's not the same thing. Uh, <laughs> and wrapping it up with our preseason All-America defense. Uh, I have an Ivy League guy up Jesus. the middle. Look Thor. at that name, though. Yeah, uh, Thor Griffith is has been a really good defensive tackle for the past two years, and he gets another crack at being a starter for Harvard. Harvard is one of those teams that's always in the conversation for the Ivy League, although last year it would have taken some absolute nonsense for them to win the conference, and then they lost to Yale anyway. But, yeah, Harvard is – Harvard is best when they are good on the defensive line, and Thor Griffith has been the fuel for that defensive line for the past couple of seasons. Looking forward to another great year from him. Uh, had to get somebody from William & Mary on this list. There is a linebacker for them that's getting some love, but I went with the defensive tackle, Nate Lynn. Uh, eating up blocks, making room for that linebacker. So Nate Lynn is another one of those pure – Defensive tackles who probably isn't going to get a ton of sacks, but sacks are not necessarily the best measure of a defensive tackle. Uh, if you know how football works, you'll know that defensive tackles do a lot more than that. And yeah. Nate Lynn's good at all those other things. Uh, and William and Mary has putting together some really good teams past at least last year was the best team that I can remember from William and Mary for sure. And then this year, they're probably going to be pretty dang good again. Um, and Nate Lynn is a big part of that. On the edge, we have last year's leader in sacks returning to his team. David Walker for Central Arkansas is back. Uh, and if you'll notice the pictures here, I almost was able to get away with all purple. But <laughs> <laughs> you tried really hard. <laughs> David Walker is the first of the purples here with Central Arkansas, and yeah, he is – already said it. He led the FCS in sacks last year. He comes back, and he's going to keep doing it. He's he's really good. If he wanted to go to the FBS, he could have, but he stayed with Central Arkansas, uh, and I expect him to do pretty dang well again. Uh, do have a Long Island Shark on here, Eric O'Neill. That's, I didn't that's even a logo know that I've never seen. Yeah, facts. They are pretty new to football in general and started out at the FCS level. Uh, I, if if you Second. recognize the logo, it might be because I think they have gotten to March Madness before already. Um, either, either they have or they were really close. I don't know. They've been in conversation for basketball before, but football – the on product, the on field product for football has not been good for Long Island. Let's just be real. The only bright spot of that team is Eric O'Neill, and uh, he is he is very fun to watch. I will say, kind of similar to what happened with the FBS, 
Ty French absolutely would have knocked Eric O'Neill out of the edge spot or Colton Adams out of the linebacker spot. If I had a legitimate pure position for Ty French, Ty French does too many things for Gardner Webb. And <laughs> it's, I have wanted to recognize him for both of those things. I thought it was most fair to put him at the flex. But Eric O'Neill is a is a really good defensive end in his own right. And yeah, he's he's gonna be the reason that Long Island's defense is worth watching by himself. Sorry to everybody else on the Long Island defense, but Eric O'Neill is is better. Your bright spot. <laughs> he is the only bright spot. Um, but yeah, Ty French is probably Probably a better pure pass rusher, but he also plays a lot of off-ball stuff for Gardner-Webb, and I wanted to recognize him for both of those things. He is the fuel that makes that Gardner-Webb defense run, and he runs it very well, very efficiently. Gardner-Webb made the playoff last year off of a like 6-5 and record because they played three FBS schools (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) And... They they like punishment. almost won one of those, so it's it's Gardner Webb is good, and I think underrated even going into the playoff as they did. I, I appreciate that the FCS recognizes that a team is going above and beyond what they should be, right. and still credits them despite the record. Definitely, um, I will say the the best pure linebacker in the country is Jacob Dobbs at a Holy Cross. There is a lot of debate for the number two behind Jacob Dobbs, but almost everybody agrees Jacob Dobbs should be that number one. I went for Colton Adams. I will freely admit it does feel weird to have a white guy out of the HBCU, Alabama State, but Colton Adams just is very good at linebacker. He also was an all-conference selection last year. Uh, he, He has been a difference maker for that Alabama State defense and <laughs> we're gonna move on before i yeah, make it more awkward <laughs> we got we got weaver state showing up here at the yeah, db position not, that's not surprising at all not no. at long snapper but definitely corner, they definitely they definitely make the list uh maxwell anderson for weaver state yeah, I don't think there's too much debate about him being one of the best corners in the country for sure. Um, I don't know that he's done it that long either. Just last year was so freaking good for him that everybody's like, wow, we got to we gotta watch out for this guy. Um, I will say Rassy Little John is a little bit of projection on my part. I think he's – I wouldn't say I, it's a little bit of projection, though. I mean, he played – this is the game log that ESPN has. He played in six games and had seven interceptions. I know. I like that. I know. But I think that's why I say it's projection because I haven't actually seen him play a full season yet. I was going to say he so. hasn't produced consistently over a year. Well, the other issue is ESPN does not care about FCS stats. And it might be that they're not getting things in. But even Khalil Baker, who we're going to get to here in a second, there's not a lot of stats available for him on ESPN, especially not game by game. Yeah, but I don't go by ESPN stats for this. I just went to the school and they have it listed the same way for him for little John. That's fair. So so Khalil Baker shows up playing all every game mm-hmm. uh, as the comparison. But Rassy Little John legitimately there are there have been some things 
not any off-field stuff, but it's there. You know, there has been reason he hasn't been able to play. If he's going to be legitimately All-America by the end of this year, I would hope that he plays the whole season. But 10, 10 11 games at a minimum. Yeah. Well, <laughs> looking they, at they a, play eleven games really. So if he yeah, plays looking 10, he, looking yeah. at Stetson's record too. He's about the only bright spot on this team. Uh, <laughs> they are they are not good. Again, I think that might be a little bit of projection, though, because I think there are other guys on that defensive back who back room who are exciting for Stetson, but Little John is the best, the most exciting <laughs> to me. <laughs> uh, going to Khalil Baker, who we've already mentioned. Yeah, he he He's is a, a big safety who fucks you up, and that's mm-hmm. just. Good football. It's the only way to put it, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of tackles for a safety. Yeah. I think he led the FCS in tackles, or he was like that's top ten. Not, at that's the position. not good. I know. I know. It's not good Safe. for for the the state of it, the defense as a whole. It, I was gonna say but it's good for him. Don't player. get me wrong. <laughs> at least he's cleaning up what everyone else is missing. Right. But work with me here. I know. Your last line of defense should not be making all of the, the stops. 51, 51 tackles being the, the lead for the FCS oh, is impressive, that's too, though. That's true. That's yeah. okay. okay. I was like, yeah, ah, this doesn't look maybe, right. I could see him leading the position. I could definitely see him leading the position. Maybe that's what it was. I saw something that he was, like, one of the best tacklers at the position. Uh, maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe that was just... That would anyway, make way more sense to me. Stop um, another guy who is on this list in part for his tackling, but also probably his ball skills probably a little bit better than Khalil Baker is Rex Connors. Last year was the only year he's played so far, though. I want to see him do it again before I legitimately say he's one of the best safeties in the country. But, man, last year was so impressive. And I – I very seriously considered flipping Khalil Baker and Rex Connors uh, as putting Rex Connors number one, but Khalil Baker's just done it twice now where he's phenomenal. And I kind of have to respect that too, but Rex Connors has some potential to, maybe this is a little bit of projection, putting him at number two even, but I, I think he has potential to be phenomenal. I like it. Um, oh, one more. <laughs> One more HBCU makes the list, and one more white guy from an HBCU makes the list. So, Ugh. the punter. How punter are you Florida doing? A&M. I didn't mean to. Did you find I really didn't one, mean to. The Almost. one dude enrolled at their school? <laughs> he is a transfer from Eastern Illinois. Why he went to Florida a oh, I don't he is, know. But he is white. white. He I, I can tell you why. Because it's cold as shit in Charleston, Illinois. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I had the option to go Florida AM over Eastern Illinois, I probably would as well. Uh, Trey Will Holt, Will Hoyt makes the decision. Uh, he would have been on this list if he stayed at Eastern Illinois as well. It's just. <laughs> All right. Where well, he had nothing up. to do in Charleston. Before you guys make me read off the links, because I know that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to ask my one NFL question of the day. Have you guys seen the news out of Titans camp? Nope. Moving on. If you want no, to read hey, the links. Hey. <laughs> hear, hear me out. 
Malik Willis is beating out Will Levis for the number two that job. Surprise, that surprises me none. <laughs> we talked about this. Job? We talked about this in the lead up to the fucking draft that I, there was one and two, and then three, four, five were being overhyped to the fucking moon. Will Levis, just, especially Anthony Richardson, especially, who, by the way, is having a lot of the same things come out at Colts camp, which that's the their biggest fucking issue is they don't have a quarterback. So now you got a guy that you draft trying to pin your future of your franchise on, and it's not working out because you bought into the hype that you probably shouldn't have because he didn't have good game film. Crazy. I'm glad this is coming out with these two quarterbacks because I just want to use it to remind the NFL teams that will never listen to me to not reach for quarterbacks. Yeah, um, that will never happen. Never happen. We'll always reach for quarterbacks because that's what, that's what they do. The, I thought you were going to talk about uh, DeAndre Hopkins signing with the Titans. Which I did not. Yeah, legitimately makes them kind of scary. It makes them contenders, I'd say. I think so. Yeah, I mean, they're scary Trayvon anyway. Burks. But now they have, Burks, yeah, with D Hop yeah, and they actually have somebody to throw the ball to. Take that yeah. offense and shove it. That's another news. Dalvin Cook still goes unsigned. In other news, I don't want to talk about the NFL anymore. So why don't we move along? <laughs> hey, Tug, why don't you read those links? You were so excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so excited. I did miss it. I did miss you guys. Uh, if you want to keep in touch with us, follow our links. They are scrolling below, and we will link them in the description as well. Patreon.com slash Football, Twitter.com slash Football, Facebook.com slash Football, Instagram.com slash BDT underscore football, BDTfootball.com, Mailbox at BDTfootball.com, YouTube.com slash at Big Dudes in the Trenches, all one word. In our Discord link, we will link it below. I will still not read that out. I know it's been a few months, but uh, it's too many random letters for me to read out loud. And, of course, if you want to watch us live, we are streaming on Twitch. Big Dudes in the Trenches, all one word on there as well. And we would love to catch you live sometime. If you have any questions for us during the show, we always stop in the middle of the show to answer questions because we care more about you live than we do if you're listening on audio. It's just the facts. You got to come live if you want to get our attention undivided. Although if you works. send if you send us a question to our email, <laughs> we'll just put it in as part of the show and you'll never know facts. That when we when we got it, so. <laughs> yep. yep. Hey, did y'all know that a full moon is 9 times brighter than a half moon? The more sense, you know, I guess. The more you know. But nine times, not twice as bright. Nine times? It's impressive. Well, yeah. But the like... surface area is twice as big, which means it's got significantly more reflectivity. You're making me go science. This is a football okay, show. <laughs> Thank you for watching and we're listening. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches. <laughs>